You're listening to Happy and Holy, the podcast created to help you reorient your life around Jesus, his people, and his mission. Because you don't have a spiritual life, your life is spiritual. You just have to learn to see it that way. I'm your host and mentor, Kate Boyd, and it's time to put on our Jesus goggles and dive in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Happy and Holy podcast. I am glad that you're here and that you're sticking around for episode two. And in this moment, culturally, that we're in, it felt really, really important to bring conversations um, that include racism and faith and really see um, the struggles that people are having and see the ways that we can um, come together as a church and come together as believers to stand up for them and to, you know, make space for them and honor um, all sorts of people, you know, because the the church is global. And if we get a picture of that in America, then we should celebrate and honor that and also honor and uphold the dignity um, of those who maybe don't look like us, regardless of what you look like, right? We can all value all human beings. And so as we're seeing this new civil rights movement and revolution happen right before our eyes, it felt really, really important to bring these conversations. And so over the next few episodes, you will meet a couple of different people, um, a black woman, a Hispanic woman, and an Asian woman, and they will be telling you about their experiences, um, but also giving you a little bit of history and some practical insight into what you can do to fight for them um, and uphold their dignity and create a more just society for them. And the way to get started is actually much simpler than you think. So I am glad that I'm able to host this conversation because I feel like it's really, really important at this time to make sure that our effort is sustained and not a trend. So we're starting today with um, a new friend, um, Imbo Chimunga, and she is going to, she graciously and vulnerably shares her experience as a black woman in America and in the church um, and just what that has looked like for her and how this whole moment is feeling for her and the things that she is processing and the ways in which she wishes that white people would process with her, um, and take action for her. And so I, I left this conversation, um, just, you know, i felt sad, but I felt like I had a a better picture. And um, I think it will be helpful for you too um, to just get this peek into what it's like to be black in America. And um, so, yeah, I won't keep us from our conversation. Let's jump right in. Well, Embo, thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, and just appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to uh, talk to us. Of course, I am happy to be here. 
Yeah. So there's a lot, obviously, in the current, you know, zeitgeist, there's a lot of conversation about racism and we're seeing it sort of reach um, a level of discourse that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, And I think when people think about racism, they think about the overt things and people are just kind of now starting to reckon with the idea of, you know, systems and cultural biases and things like that. Um, So one question I have is what are some of the unexpected ways that racism against black people manifests? Maybe these are things from your own life or friends' lives, but they could be systemic or personal. Yeah. um, Well, I experienced foster care um, and what was removed from my home quite often Um, and children who are black are removed at twice the rate of um, white foster kids Um, and they also make up it's like there's a disproportionary rate of 2.6 percent as far as black kids who are in foster care versus the 13 14 percent of um, the black population within America Um, and it's also just manifested itself in just a lot of covert, like microaggressions. Um, there are just different things that I have to do as far as work and stuff. Like I, if I have to respond to an email and say no to a decision or um, anything that could be interpreted as negative, I pick up the phone and call because you just never know. Um, and I have to be very careful with my tone and have a higher voice Uh, and always be smiling. Otherwise, I'm the quote-unquote angry black woman, Um, and just different. It's just an entirely different way of living, Um, and there's almost this um, kind of where I'm at now is I'm reckoning this idea of exploring what it means to be a black woman in America Um, in the but realizing that I'm, I'm doing that and I have been doing that through the white perspective because that's mm-hmm. the way that you have to like do it in order to survive. Um, so I'm, I'm really trying to reconcile my faith in my blackness mm-hmm. and my blackness in the world and just in America and, and, what, and what that means and what that looks like. Um, yeah. Does that make you, I don't even know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? No, it, it makes sense. I mean, I think to a certain extent, right, we all sort of grow up and figure out what, what it means to be us in the world. But when that comes with all these other things with it that um, historically work against you versus like it just being the world and figuring out how to be you in it. And then you've got this extra layer. I mean, I can imagine that's that's exhausting. It's like having anxiety all the time. Pretty much. Yep. (laughs) Hit it right on the head. Uh, Yeah. There's, I mean, it's chronic stress on black bodies, chronic stress. Um, It is no wonder that diabetes, heart disease, um, everything is so high. I mean, Erica Garner, Eric Garner's daughter died at, I believe 36 of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I, I don't, I can't say what specifically like led to that, but I would imagine the stress and the trauma and um, just the barrage of being a black person in America um, and her father's death being recorded and 
shared over and over and over again with people yeah. saying various opinions and turning him into a political guise, like just so many different things. And so it is, it is, um, there is a people group that is crying out that has been crying out for, I don't know how long, I mean, over 400 years. Um, and pain is always, always, always demanding to be heard period point blank. Um, and I think now what we're seeing is a reckoning, a revolution of sorts, a, Mm -hmm. um, we like, we, we can't do this anymore. Like, like this, like something has to change from the roots up, not top down roots up. Um, and so I think that, that it's going to be a lot of, um, man, particularly within the faith space, it's going to be a lot of, brave people there's going yeah. to have to a lot of, be a lot of brave people and um, any and i i just the church man the church just breaks my heart breaks yeah. my heart and um, i grew up um pretty much in white evangelical church um and i remember in seventh grade seventh eighth grade our mutual friend morgan that's whenever i met her actually um, and i believe it was trayvon martin that had just happened and I don't even know how it happened, but I started like processing with her and just what that looked like, what that meant um, and why that happened. And I just remember like thinking about it, just trying to make sense of it it and everything and going to church, going to hang out with friends, whatever. And it was not a topic of conversation. It wasn't even like a thing. Um, and later that church became like very multi-ethnic, like truly, um, wonderful, wonderful church. But, um, even so now I, I am the, I have always felt like the quote unquote token black girl, um, the kind of scapegoat honestly the I think I'm a lot of people's black friend that they claim Mm -hmm. um but I really am I'm like I don't necessarily consider you like that close of a friend if we are not having these discussions um and it is not if it's not like other people's this is going to sound very harsh but like other people's feelings don't matter when it comes to this like if I'm bringing forth my full self um, if, uh, if I am telling you about something that happened to me, um, or, I mean, let's take it as, at a collective standpoint and you question it, or you ask me, um, well, are you sure? Or you just placate it or, um, center yourself within it. I'm not going to want to talk to you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to want to talk to you. And so it is like, if, if we are, if I am not talking to you about race and racism and everything that's happening, I've not, not even right now, but just even my own experiences, then that's indicative of the other person. That's not indicative of me. And that's indicative of the fact that I'm not necessarily feeling safe enough to have that conversation with them for that fear of being gaslit. Um, yeah. And there, I just, no one, no one has the experience that I have and I'm the expert on my experience. So for someone to tell me for a collective group, I mean, for all black people who are speaking up for someone to tell us 
that's not true or all lives matter or I don't see color or um, like rioting and looting and uh, why, why are statues being defaced? Do the statues actually matter? Like I've, like, like I've, I, even with the statues, I have not seen a clear picture of idolatry. Like truly, it shows so much of the heart of nationalism. Um, and I think there's just been this intertwining of nationalism and Christianity and that needs some disentanglement. Like it needs it desperately. For sure. um, I don't think people are, I don't think people are ready for that. Um, and I, I just am like churches right now. There are some churches that are responding very, very well. Um, there are other churches that I think are equating unity, like prayers for unity, um, and sympathy and empathy, uh, as like good enough, um, when that is neutrality. Like if you are not outright saying that black lives matter, you're neutral. Like you, you are, and Jesus always, 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 always sided with the oppressed. Always. He fought for the oppressed. Um, and so I, I am um, pretty heartbroken at the response of the church. Um, and I'm pretty just at this crossroads of like, how does my faith infuse my blackness? Yeah. Black because of, you know, like I've had just in a myriad of ways, a lot of people who have, um, even just with some of my black friends I was talking to a couple of days ago and just talking about how in one way or another, we have been told that we are um, being or coming across as like our blackness is higher than our Christianity. Our blackness is higher than our faith. Um, and I have such, um, such, such, so many qualms with that statement. Um, because I, I think that that intersection of my blackness and my faith, man, my faith is like infuses my blackness and my blackness infuses my faith. Um, it's not necessarily that I can't have one without the other. It's more so that <clears throat> uh, that they they work together. Yeah, I mean they do for all of us, right? Like our, my whiteness infuses, has infused my faith, you know, like that for me, because of they're both part of my identity to it, you know? And so I can't, yes, there's untangling, right. That to figure out what part is what and what's good and what's bad about those things. But I mean, you can't just like carte blanche say, Nope. You, you've got to choose one over the other you know, because they're all of those things affect how you see the world and operate in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, man, I've gotten so many things and I really have not said a lot on social media. I've only written one thing and I haven't done anything else yet. Um, I'm really just kind of sitting back and processing, but just 
embracing our blackness, embracing my blackness, especially in the face of whiteness, I think just comes as a shock to a lot of people. Like I'm, I'm like, did, did it anyone forget? Like, did it, does anyone not realize that I am in fact black? Like, so just, um, which is funny because like my skin color did not change. So, I mean, even then that goes to show that there is a level of ignorance mm-hmm. and that is there just because of the fact that that perspective, like white perspective is a white perspective. Um, so of course they don't see, but I think that me embracing my blackness does not dilute or make any less of my faith in Christ at all. Like, right. at all. Um, and me giving my life to Christ at the same time, that does not absolve my race because whenever I'm walking around out and about, people aren't going to look at me and say, Oh, that Christian, they're going to say that black woman or that mm-hmm. black girl. Um, and so I'm, I'm not necessarily seen as Christian. I'm seen as black. And so it's not one or the other. It is both. And there's just been a lot of um, tone policing, mm-hmm. um, which is really disheartening um, and also very traumatic. Um, and I'm like, no one, no one can tell you how you should feel or how you should speak about an experience that they know nothing about, like period, point blank. Um, I, I definitely think that there is a way to communicate it and that is kind, but kindness, I don't want kindness to ever be mistaken for, um, ooh, how do I word it? I don't want kindness to, to ever be mistaken for bite-sized pieces of things that white people can chew and swallow and that are appeasable and that are like feasible for them to understand. Like I, that don't dilute the entirety um, of the experience and what that looks like. Does that make sense? Yeah. And this is kind of something I've thought a lot about lately too, is sort of like the difference between like niceness and kindness and the difference between something else you brought up before, you know, like unity and harmony and like what those things really mean and which thing, you know, I think when a lot of people are calling for unity, they're actually calling for harmony, but Mm. that's not that helpful (laughs) towards actual unity, which has to travel through justice and not around it, you know? And so Um, there's like all these ways that we think we're helping sometimes by like trying to say like, if you just did this or it should be this way, but we don't live in that world. And so we have to sort of push through like the, I mean, the very uncomfortable things and conversations and surely they're not comfortable for you either. Um, but they're necessary, If we do want unity, I think it's just in kindness, but I think it's that our definitions have been confused with these other concepts. Yes. I 100% agree. Yeah. I don't, I don't think America has a unity problem. Like everyone unified. There's not been, at least in my lifetime, I'm very young. I'm only 22, but I've not seen nor heard of anything as far as history books, anything that has united America. Like everyone pretty much everyone stood up and said like, you know, everything that happened with George Floyd, that that was wrong. Like unity is not the issue. Um, Harmony is the issue. 
Um, being seen as a complete and whole person is the issue. Racism is the issue. Um, and it is, uh, it, it is prevalent in so many, so many different ways. Um, and I think right now there's a lot of like superficial allyship happening. Mm. Um, and there are like all these grandiose gestures by all these companies and um, people even. And uh, it's okay, like cool. Um, but all, what, what about the systems? Are you hiring people who are um, black that are in your executive team? And not because they are black, not for that purpose alone, but um, adding them to the team as I don't even know how to word it as a way that um, is their experience and their, uh, and their blackness. Um, And I think that they're distractions. Like if you like, if you look back, man, whenever there's been any sort of big revolutionary kind of thing, specifically when discussing race, there's always been some form of distraction to continue to keep those systems and that oppression still in place. Um, And so it is, it's like one of those things like, don't, don't fall for it. Don't, I mean, all the videos going around with, you know, police officers and black people praying or police officers and, you know, people like having great discourse or whatever, like that's, that's awesome also black lives still don't matter. So just that, I think that that is, um, that is being used as a way to distract and deviate and avert our eyes away from the problem. Um, and from the reality of the problem, because really there are, um, man, there are just so many people who are seated at the table, um, of injustice that are feasting, feasting, while mm-hmm. people who are sitting across from them and beside them and around them are starving, literally starving. Um, and it is, uh, it's, it's just, it's interesting to me how, um, how behind the church is on this issue. Um, just the, even under the guise of, right, like young people and specifically, right, I'm 22. I'm like tail end of millennial Gen Z, depending on who you talk to. Uh, and I think the reason or a reason why young people are leaving the church in droves is that they are seeing that the church is not what, like, is not what they actually say. Like, they're not doing what mm-hmm. they say they're doing. They're not doing what they're preaching. And um, different stances are being taken on very specific issues, but other issues we're not going to say anything about. We're going to be complicit. Um, and silence is breeding violence, like point blank period, point blank period. Um, but there's also this line of, uh, this line of grace and how much grace do I give to people? How much grace do I give to pastors? How much grace um, do I give to ignorance? Um, do I say something? Do I not say something? Do I want to be that quote unquote black person who does say something? And there is such, um, it's a very hard line. I, I don't want to ever be so gracious that it's a pass. Because if I'm telling you 
my experience, if I'm telling you, hey, like, this is not okay, if nothing, if no action is taken afterward, that's willful ignorance. Right. Because you are choosing, actively choosing to ignore. Um, and the church was on the forefront of the civil rights movement, like, you know, back in the 60s. Um, and it's, it is just very uh, telling, very, very telling that the church even their role in slavery. Um, And I think people have a very idealized view of slavery. Um, Like there, there were thousands of people, thousands who were born into slavery and died in slavery. Um, And my, my brain cannot even wrap my mind around that. Um, And just, of course, you know, lack of education, lack of, history and I think churches are really kind of like do we risk talking about it at all or do we risk talking about it so much so that it becomes too much and and you have to talk about it yeah you just you have to I think for a lot of white people right now it is a I see a problem I see it I want to do something um but how can I do that and stay where I am? I think right. that is the question that yeah. people ask me. How, how can I be a part of the change without changing anything myself? Mm-hmm. Um, and That's a good nuance. I hadn't thought, I mean, I think I recognize that, but that's a, I hadn't thought of putting it that way. Like mm-hmm. we want to help, but not at the expense of yes. whatever it is in our yeah. lives. Yeah. Um, and I mean, any call of God requires a form of surrender. I'm like, is my, is my life worth your comfort? Is my, like, is, is the cost of your comfort, is it worth it Yeah. for me to live and survive? Um, live and survive. Cause there are people, I mean, like there was a female who was burned, literally burned in her car lynchings. Like this is very real. Yeah. Very, very real. Um, and I should not live in a world where I am terrified to have kids where I'm like, yeah, I don't even want black children because I don't want to tell them that, Hey, like, you know, this America is not, not built for you to succeed, um, and succeed well. Um, and it, that there are systems and things that are completely beside you and teach them, Hey, this is how you interact with the police. Um, you can't do the same things that your friends can do. Um, you can't ride your bike down the street. You can't, um, like if you kick a ball into a neighbor's yard, you can't walk over there and just go grab it. And um, like just very, to teach them how to live in a life and have just an entirely different experience. I mean, like not playing with Nerf guns, like just such, I, my, I cannot fathom that. I really yeah. can't. Um, and I just, um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry you even have to think about those things. I like, like you, I, well, I mean, certainly not to the extent, but I've definitely been disheartened, um, not by, not by my church leadership, but by, you know, some people within my church or friends or things, you know, I 
live in Texas. I'm from East Texas. Like we have very different views on the world and issues and then or I do than most of my family. And so it's been really kind of weird to see them drawn out so blatantly and to wrestle with those with them and, and to see them and to see different people who just kind of, like you say, refuse to see it. It's that willful ignorance. Mm -hmm. Um, But for those who do see it and are coming around, you know, or who want to do something and if they're, finally ready to do that at, you know, forsaking their comfort or whatever. What, what do you wish that they would, that white people would be doing? What do you wish you could say to us? Um, you know, what are the things that we should be focused on and moving on actively to make it a safer place? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things is just, man, um, just to stop centering yourself. Can you explain what that means for someone? Yeah. Just, just the, if, uh, I say my experience, um, Mm -hmm. and the responses, um, about how you feel about it. I see. Yeah. Um, and how you interpret it. Um, you are making it about you and therefore not um, recognizing, but instead dismissing my experience mm-hmm. um, and the reality of it. Um, and uh, if you're, if you're called to love others and your prayers are not, are not bringing forth any efforts to um, get justice, to obtain justice, um, to fight for your black brothers and your black sisters, then your belief is bankrupt. Like I, I have, um, I have learned so much. I just realized how much of my behaviors and how much even of my words and my voice, how much, uh, I have toned myself down in order to, not come across as that quote unquote black girl in order to survive in these white spaces. Um, and, uh, you, you just, we want, it's like people want reconciliation without justice, want the risen Jesus without Jesus dying. And we want the glory without the suffering and we want unity without or harmony let's say actually harmony without even doing the work there's no gospel without justice we we can't fast forward our way through this like there's no there's no way there's no shortcut through this anything and um, and it is uh it is it's going to take work it's going to take work sympathy and empathy they have their place um but if you are praying for um, racial reconciliation, if you're praying for uh, harmony within this country, if you're praying for systemic and um, really, I think just heart, which I kind of dislike that language, change, then your your actions need to come across as the way 
that you are praying for. Because if you are praying for something, you're partnering with God in that. And so it's not just pray and do nothing. It is pray and do something to get to that point. Right. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm very, um, I think really just see people, like genuinely see them sit with a sit with that discomfort just because it's not something that you experience does not make it any less true it does not make it any less true um and uh believe believe them believe them don't question their experience don't question their experience um hmm that was a good question. Yeah, I, yeah, sympathy, empathy, they're the entry point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's good and wise to pray and hope for those, but yeah, even, even all the scriptures about faith without work, you know, faith without works is dead or, you know, it's by been by grace that you've been saved through faith to do good works, you know, that God's prepared for you. Like this is, like you said, this is our partnership with God. It's the way that we, he didn't set it up so that we were absolved from actually making the world a better place. We get to be a part of that redeeming and restoration of the world that will happen eventually and only by his power, but we're charged with doing it here and now. And so it's certainly been my prayer that blinders would fall away and people would start recognizing and stepping into those things. Um, and, you know, having hard conversations and seeking them out and doing so, um, being okay with discomfort. So thank you for sharing that. Cause I think, um, it's been funny. I've had, so I've had these conversations with a couple of different, you know, women of ethnic backgrounds and, it's always sort of the first thing is, yeah, is that empathy connect with someone like just like you said, just see us, you know, and then it sort of becomes hopefully impossible to do, to not do something about that. But yeah, it's definitely, it, it feels like a lot. I, I think I get frustrated that it even has to be said, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because it is a, it shouldn't be because like this has been our experience the whole time. So it's, it's like the, uh, the emotional labor and continuing to recount and retell and, you know, all of the different experiences and whatnot. It is, um, it's almost like heartening like truly. Um, and, and something that I've heard from white people um, has really just been a lot of um, like, you know, we're, we're getting hit with a fire hydrant full of information and uh, you know, like I, I, it's too much. I'm overwhelmed um, and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, okay. And like, <laughs> so like welcome. It's been this way for 400 plus years. So it is um, it's like, okay, buck up. Like you, you got some learning to do. You got some catching up to do. Yeah. Um, and so there's, uh, 
there's a, well, I do 100% have sympathy and empathy for that. Also, do the work. Like, there's not, um, there's not necessarily room to complain. Like, low-key, not even low-key, high-key. Like, just, there really isn't. Um, and uh, see, like, even then, I, just, I felt the need to minimize it just yeah. to make it appease um just to make into a palatable like bite-sized piece that people can choose um and uh yeah so it's it really is entirely different yeah I mean I think we we all want the shortcut you know and we all want to and even in just like work that I've had to do on myself whether that's been mental health or any of those things like you just want you want the magic pill that will make it all better. And you think that if you can just do this, that, or the other, that it'll happen. But I mean, it's always that deep work, the working through that actually brings transformation. And so it's, you know, silly to expect anything else in, in that though we do over and over again in everything that we try to solve. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's no shortcut through. Yeah. Yeah. I am, uh, I am very, very nervous. I will say very nervous, very scared that if this pandemic ever lets up and we like resume to, you know, life is normal again and, or not normal, but a new normal Mm -hmm. that black lives matter and anti-racism, it will be just a trend and has been just a trend just because we are at home. um, And, like, honestly, had we not been in quarantine, Ahmaud Arbery, that video would not have gone viral. It really, it wouldn't. Um, and I don't think that that was by mistake. Um, it is 100% clear that, man, the Lord is, he's like, there's a reckoning that is happening. Um, and I think that God just stuck a giant knife in the middle of, um, at the crossroads of, nationalism, politics, and church. Yeah. I really do. And so there's like a, a, but it's like he stuck it in there and twisted it like a few Mm -hmm. times. (laughs) Like that's what it feels like. Um, And each, each, each um, aspect has a part to do. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a role to do. Um, And I think for a, for black people and particularly black people in white evangelical spaces. Um, I think that anger is the outlet, um, allowing ourselves to feel angry. And that is something I very much have struggled with, but I'm learning that, that it is through that anger that I am, um, beginning to reconcile my blackness and my faith. Um, which is something that I had not really considered um, or thought about because you look at yourself through the white gaze, everything like white, white is what we measure everything up against. Um, And so it is a, well, how, how can I respond to this? How do I not respond to this? Do I, um, I haven't seen dirty dancing. Am I supposed to know what this is? Like, like just like different, I mean, cultural things where it is assimilation and not integration. Mm -hmm. and uh, integration is 
integration is what the Lord has called us to do. Yeah. And, and uh, the American flag is not going to be in heaven. Like it just, it just isn't. It right. just is not. Um, yeah. I don't even know. The church has a, has a very specific role in this. And I really, really hope that they, uh, that, that it gets it right. I really do. You and me both. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing your experiences and for doing the emotional labor with us and helping us um, see and understand better. And I just appreciate you being here. So thanks so much. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Happy and Holy. If you're so inclined, you can leave a review on your favorite podcast player to help more people find and learn alongside of us. See you next time.